Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the PropG podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. There are many different paths you can take. But there's only one road to Atlanta. The high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for an inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves Farm System and Braves Prospects. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on BatteryPower.com, where I have been the deputy site manager for some number of years and the minor league editor for a larger number of years. You can follow me over on Twitter at Leprechaun with a K. We are on the base, we are on the eve, the true eve of minor league baseball opening day. And to kick that off, we're going to be doing a bit of a Braves minor league preview show. We got all, all the rosters today. And I couldn't ask for anyone to help me more and to be be of better help than my longtime colleague, good buddy, prospect extraordinaire. You can follow him on Twitter at BravesMILB. Garrett Spain, how are you, my friend? I am good. I am excited for the season. Very excited. Yeah, uh, it's definitely nice to be talking baseball stuff again. Um, even like talking about spring is fun, but because it was such a condensed spring schedule and we kind of, the Braves roster was largely, uh, settled, we are going to get into some, uh, some, some of our guys, what I like to call them, uh, in that regard. We're going to have, uh, some guys making the opening day roster, but generally speaking, there just wasn't going to be a lot of guys who had a great shot coming out of camp, um, with some notable exceptions. And as a result, like, it just kind of felt like, okay, we got to see some guys perform against big league pitching, and then they would get optioned down to minor league camp fairly quickly. We didn't get to see a lot of at-bats or a lot of playing time for a big chunk of guys, just, you know, a little cameo appearances here and there. But, again, it was nice to get to see them play, but it's really been really great to have them at their levels, figure out where they're assigned, go, go over a larger sample, see how they develop, see how they improve over the course of a season, and that's – where we kind of get the most joy from. Uh, for those who aren't aware, uh, it is minor league. It is obviously it's opening day at the major league level, but we also have kind of two opening days for the minor leagues this year. Uh, Gwinnett will be starting tomorrow. Uh, they will have their first game tomorrow. And, and then the, everyone else later on in the week, it's going to be on the 8th. So uh, I think, the, I'm not actually sure that it's possible there's some games on the 7th. I don't know. The, the days all kind of run together for me. But towards the end of the week is when the rest of the leagues start up. So we're going to... Be on the site. We're going to be recapping Gwinnett games for the first few days as they as they as they get rolling along, and then 
the rest of the leagues, you know, low A, high A, and double A will be folded in into those recaps once they all get up and running. But we're not going to miss out on it. Just because it's only Gwinnett doesn't mean we're not going to recap them. It doesn't mean that we're not going to talk about them. But the recaps on the site will look a little weird because it's going to only have Gwinnett. But as we kind of get into the weekend, everything's going to look back to normal like we have been for many years now. How the recaps work is just simply having every game that's played at every level all in one article for you to look at each day really easy straightforward um but before we kind of get into these rosters garrett we've had some uh i wouldn't say crazy surprising choices that were made for open open game rosters but certainly uh ones that got our attention and has us excited so talk to us a little bit about spring training and kind of who made the opening day roster and you know your thoughts on it yeah so i think that for the most part the main guys um i mean the main guys on the roster have been set for a while you know in the big competition was the back end of the rotation um they ended up going to a six-man rotation and with that you know with that and the expansion to 28 players um William Contreras and Spencer Strider both made the roster um Strider is a bit surprising and I don't think you know I think I think with both of those players once it goes back to 26 in May they're probably gonna go back to AAA um and I think that both need time to develop at AAA um, the other two of our, you know, minor league guys that made it was Kyle Wright and Tucker Davidson. Uh, Davidson looked good all spring. Um, and Wright looked fantastic all spring. I mean, this is as good as we've ever seen Wright work. He's working a little more vertically with his curveball. Um, you know, I still have, you know, I think with Wright, you know, the biggest question is, you know, he's, his four seamers better, but his sinker is the only one he can really throw for strikes. And how many strikes is he going to throw? That's kind of, you know, the question with him, how he's going to handle that. But so far, you know, he's carried over what he did at the end of the year at AAA last year and what he did at the, um, in the playoffs. And he's looked fantastic this spring. And hopefully he can kind of finally take that step and kind of settle in as, you know, a back end of the rotation guy. Um, his last start was, I think, four and a third innings. He struck out six batters, didn't give up any, didn't give up any earned runs, no walks. I mean, he looked really, really good. Um, Spencer Strider pitched a few days ago and was, he really struggled in the first inning with his command of his fastball. Um, but you know, he seemed to have an, a little bit of an issue with, you know, opening up purely. Um, they got that fixed. He came out in the second inning. He looked his fastball, you know, he still wasn't getting it where we want it, you know, typically he wants to throw it at the top or a little bit above the zone. He wasn't quite getting there with it. It wasn't his best day, but his slider looked fantastic. Um, we didn't really get many looks at the changeup, but he looked really good after that first. He looked good after the first inning, uh, but wasn't, it was not his best start. This is a tough lineup to go against against the Yankees, and he showed enough to say, yeah, you feel confident in him kind of right now, but he did show some of the flaws in his command that is the reason that we think he should be back at the AAA level in a few weeks. Yeah, I like Strider as a guy that if you're doing expanded rosters that you're going to, like, piggyback him, right? Like, like let him see a lineup once. Not does you don't have to necessarily you know run him out there for five or six innings, especially early on in the season, the way we expect things to go uh, for uh, particularly the back end of the rotation. That I don't think they're going to be true bullpen games necessarily, unless you know things go wrong. But you know having Strider you know connected to some of these other guys towards the and you know like Tucker Davidson and Strider, depending on matchups, you know maybe have one follow the other. Uh, same thing with Enoa, you know, maybe even giving spelling right. Right, I'm famously skeptical of uh, more than one time through the through the lineup, 
and he has looked good this spring. I will not question the fact that he pitched well in the World Series this past year. I will not argue these points. Uh, I will say that I've been fooled by Kyle Wright before, that he's had stretches where he's looked a lot better, and then things get away from him. It's about consistency. It's about what happens to his approach the second time through a lineup. It's just how about how he maintains his command later in games. Those are all questions that I have yet to really get answered by him. But I will not doubt that he's looked good. Uh, and I, it's not surprising to me that he was included in the rotation. Uh, I do like Strider though. I, I agree that he's, the ball's just been a little, he's been throwing the ball. It's not velocity's been great. You know, 99, 101 is, you know, that, that plays anywhere. But I do think he does better if he lives up in the, like up, up in the zone or even out of it. Uh, better with that four seamer, uh, paired with that slider. Uh, I wish we could see more of the changeup. But again, for what he's going to be doing for maybe one time through a lineup, that doesn't bother me all that much. And I think that he'll be fine. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, with spring, some guys are just like, it's, it, it's been a different throwing routine, getting started, getting stretched back out. I, I'm not going to like look at a, a spring training session and go, you know, he's not quite ready. I mean, the, the ball that, the pitch that, Aaron Judge hit out was an inside fastball at 99. Sometimes a good hitter just beats you. Uh, so I, I don't really, you know, necessarily get too upset about what's going on, you know, about a bad start in spring, but I do like the stuff out of Strider. I tend to agree that he'll be, he'll be sent back down. I think the Braves just really believe in him as a starter, and that means that he's going to have to go get starter innings. Unless he's really, really impressive in the major leagues, uh, for their first stint, maybe someone else has to go back down or someone gets hurt. All these things could happen, but I think the likelihood is that he goes back down. And then we'll get stretched back as a starter because I think the Braves really believe in him as a starter. Uh, obviously good to see Tucker Davidson get, getting a chance. I've, I've been a proponent of letting these young guys get a chance to see if they can improve themselves, see who's going to stick and who's not because a lot of these guys are just sitting there at AAA just kind of languishing in a lot of ways. Uh, Kyle Muller had a chance to be in the mix for this too. And unfortunately, uh, as when we talk about Gwinnett, he didn't quite make it. It wasn't a particularly great spring for him. Uh, but overall, like what I saw at a right, uh, I'm very, I remain very, very curious about the Braves' plans with William Contreras. I think they're taking a bit of a, advantage of the expanded rosters, having kind of an extra bat that they're going to try to get some utility out of. But I think that is one guy that if they really need to swap in for a key at bat in some, in certain situations, particularly against the lefty, that they'll be able to have that bat coming off the bench, uh, in this particular situation, it doesn't hurt that he's a third catcher, especially when you have a, a catcher in Tra- Travis Darno that doesn't have a great history of being healthy. Overall, really good, happy to see these guys getting their chance coming out of, coming out of spring training on the opening day roster. We'll see how things shake out once rosters contract again after the first month of the season. But with that, Garrett, it is time to talk about the Gwinnett Stripers. Now, this is a this is a really interesting group of players because. We're used to seeing the I mean this before the Matt Olson trade. This is where we'd be talking about Christian Pache. We'd be talking about Shea Langoliers and those options are obviously no longer in the organization. So there's going to be a lot of new faces and kind of a new look to a Gwinnett roster that doesn't have like kind of these air appearance to certain positions on it. Uh, there are a couple notable, uh, absences, I think is the best way to say it, uh, from the roster. Drew Waters is currently not listed on the roster. It sounds like he has, but he had that hamstring issue. I guess is, is, we assume that that's the injury is still bothering him, which is why he wasn't named to the Gwinnett striper roster. Brooks Wilson is another guy that, you know, he's not named on a roster. He should be at AAA, so he might be dealing with injury. Uh, Corbin Klaus is another name that was at Gwinnett. We're not sure exactly what's going on with him. But for the pitching staff, uh, we're going to go through notable. So if you think we're going to go through every name today, we're not going to do that. It would just take way too long. We're going to have to kind of sort of blitz through these as it is. <laughs> uh, between Garrett and I, we're going to talk, we would talk 
easily two hours about all these guys on all the rosters if we wanted to do that. So we're going to try to give you guys the notable names to keep an eye on. We're obviously, that just because we don't name a guy doesn't mean that he won't have some sort of impact on in the minor leagues. He could that could jump up in our rankings in a hurry. But these are kind of the names that we're trying to keep an eye on coming out of spring training for the pitching staff, uh, both on the on the on the starting side as well as on the reliever side. We have Bryce Elder, Kyle Muller, Tuki Toussaint. Jaseel De La Cruz, Nolan Kingham, Dylan Lee, the recently optioned Jacob Webb. <laughs> Garrett has a note here that Connor Johnstone's probably going to make like 50 starts. He's not wrong, and I guarantee you they won't all be a Gwinnett. Connor Johnstone's kind of the guy that they just move around the entire organization to fill in spots as they need st- spot starts uh, throughout the organization. He kind of does the the yeoman's work of the of the minor league system. He's not necessarily a guy who I would be planning on spending any amount of time in the major leagues. But, you know, in terms of that, that journeyman type in the minor leagues that you know helps you get through the week-to-week grind that is the the, the minor leagues, uh, Connor Jones Connor Jones throws your guy at, at Gwinnett. So, Garrett, talk to me about the guy, the pitchers at Gwinnett and who's cut, catching your eye and who's, you know, someone that you're really keeping an eye on. Yes, I mean, the top two names are definitely Bryce Elder and Kyle Muller. Um, both of these guys are guys, you know, Elder especially is a guy that we project in the rotation long-term and a guy that we really think – both of those guys are players that we think are going to contribute in some way at the major league level this year. Um, Elder is probably going to be more of a, you know, mid to late season call up. And even then it's probably only going to be if there are injuries or underperformance, but you need depth with pitching. And he's a guy that's right now providing you depth and could long be a long-term fixture in that rotation. Um, Muller is a guy that we just want to kind of see. This is going to be one of those years that determines, you know, whether he's starter or reliever long term, um, Jaseel De La Cruz is the most interesting one there because we just don't know what we're getting from him. This is a guy that two years ago we thought was going to be competing for a starting spot right now, and now we're not even sure. You know, he's lost his forty man spot. We're not sure kind of what player he's going to be, and so we really want to see if his stuff gets back to the level of what it was pre-2021 struggles and see if his command, if he can kind of get back to throwing strikes. You know, he never had great command, but he had, he was able to get the ball in the zone. and He didn't do that last year. He's going to be interesting to watch. Nolan Kingham is another guy that I really liked. You know, we saw him at Mississippi last year and as a starter, his stuff really doesn't jump off the page. It's, he's a, decent command guy his stuff is good enough for the minor leagues but I don't didn't project him as a guy that I saw at the major league level starting his stuff plays up in relief I like the way his curveball looked in relief and I'm interested to see if he is a reliever this year which we don't know exactly what his role is going to be if he is a reliever this year I would love to see him get more time because I think that that's an interesting middle relief arm that could benefit the Braves even as soon as this season given what, you know, you know, they just had Luke Jackson go down with an injury and you've got guys like Sean Newcomb that are in that bullpen that you don't really trust all that much. And having that depth with a guy like Kingham that may be able to come in and fill a role, would, it's nice to have. Yeah, the the two pitchers at the top and Kyle and Bryce Wilson, uh, not Bryce Wilson, I'm, not, I'm never going to not do that. Uh, Bryce Elder and Kyle Muller are the ones that intrigue me the most. I'm certain that Tukey is going to be starting with this configuration at Gwinnett, but I, I do think that he should probably be getting more run as a reliever and hoping that they will, you know, 
totally transition him and let his stuff play up because I just don't think that his stuff anymore even plays up as a starter. We'll see how they, they really handle him, but Muller has the inside track if he pitches well to another chance at the rotation because he's on the 40 man already. But I, I actually like the odds of Bryce Elder like cementing a spot in the rotation this, this year than Muller. I really like Elder. I really like how he's looked in spring. I liked how, how quickly he ascended last year, all the, the improvements that he made to all of his pitches and how they were playing in games. I mean, pitching your way all the way from Rome up to Gwinnett is no joke. And I tend to disagree with you that while I think traditional wisdom would be for a guy that's not on the 40 man roster, that it's more likely that he's a late season call up just because, you know, giving that 40 man roster spots, no, like a, a, a real thing. But I think that if elder is pitching well in Gwinnett and we see someone in the rotation really faltering, I would not be shocked at all. I, I think that the Braves really like looked at him hard this spring and saw things they like. He's already he's he's pitching tomorrow. He's gonna be he's gonna be starting the game tomorrow. He's coming over from minor league camp to you know pitch the final game. And I am very curious as to kind of how he looks the, the first month or two of the season. If he's pitching really well, and we see some guys struggling up there in, in in the major leagues, the roster contraction does make that a little harder to make happen. But he's a guy that I will not be surprised at all if he figures into the Braves' rotation plans in a big way in 2022. Uh, for hitters, uh, just the kind of the key names, we have Braden Shoemake getting the promotion from Mississippi. A slight surprise to me uh, there, but, you know, again, he's a, a, a college guy, and they, they do think highly of him. A really good defender. I want to see him hit and actually produce. Uh, Justin Dean gets the promotion from Mississippi, which I'm really happy about. Uh, he can really play center field. He can really run. Uh, if his hit tool plays up at all, he's, you know, at the very least, he's a fourth outfielder type who really can do some damage on the base pads. Grayson Janista gets the bump, gets the bump from Mississippi. Another interesting choice. Uh, a guy that's been around the system for a little while. Want to see if he can continue to actually, you know, the power number. He, the guy hits for power. It just questions whether or not he's going to have a hit tool. Uh, Travis Demerit, uh, continues to be a stalwart down there in Gwinnett. Uh, even he left for a couple of years to, to join the Tigers, comes back and, you know, he's pretty much the same guy. He strikes out a whole bunch. Uh, but when he does hit home runs, there's a ton of backspin and they go far. We also have Ryan Goins, Phil Gosselin, uh, a guy who was, uh, optioned back to AAA. Out of, out of spring is a kind of a infield utility option if they need him. Uh, and John Nagowski, who's a guy who they picked up over the offseason. So who, you know, is there any particular notes you want to give on the hitters before we kind of move on to Mississippi? Yeah. So with Shoemake, overall, the numbers last year look really bad. He struggled really terribly early in the season, was really good in the middle of the season, then struggled kind of down the stretch. And you wonder if that was just a matter of fatigue for him. He's, you know, one of the big reasons that I think he probably got pushed to AAA is they really have to make a decision at that shortstop position soon. Uh, Dancy Swanson's a free agent at the end of the season and they need to figure out, you know, I don't think that Schumacher's going to be ready next year. Um, but they need to figure out whether he's going to be ready or whether they need to extend Dansby or go outside of the organization to get a guy. They have to make that decision fairly quickly and having him at AAA is kind of, one of the ways that you're going to do that. Um, he did not look very good this spring, so hopefully he does better at AAA. But yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Uh, Justin Dean again, you know, he's going to do. He's going to be a lot of fun at that level. Uh, he's a guy that I don't project as a starter at the major league level, but 
there's not a ton of center field depth in the system and an injury or two happens and he might be that guy that goes up to the next level because once you get, you know, it's Duvall and Heredia are the only two people above him that can play center field. So if someone goes down, they're probably not going to call up Drew Waters because they would rather have him playing every day and getting an opportunity to develop. And he might be that next guy up if they have to go that route. Um, another notable um guy not on the roster, which we did not mention, um, would be um Brandon White. He was a non-roster invite to spring training, but he never appeared. He was really, really good with Mississippi last year. Uh, he's 27 now. He, he, he's a solid arm, you know, kind of a middle relief guy, but he's not on the roster either, and he would have been a guy that's kind of like Wilson would be pushing to potentially get to the major league level in some capacity in middle relief this season if he had a good season. Yeah, the, the note on Dustin that you make is Justin Dean uh, that you make that he could potentially be a center field option is is interesting to me. I think the issue here with that is that if Drew Waters is both healthy and playing, he's already on the forty man, so that's an easier move to make. But again, it kind of comes down to if he's playing, if he's playing well. If he's not playing well, then I don't think the Braves would give him that sort of opportunity in that weird scenario where like before Ronnie comes back and guys get hurt. I don't think that they would necessarily do that. Uh, if he wasn't playing well, I mean, and Justin Dean's got to play well too. That's another, that's another consideration here is that you have to figure out what's going on with, with Justin. I mean, like if Justin Dean's sitting 220 down there in Gwinnett, he's, you know, that's not a particularly exciting option, especially if you're going to add to Adam to the 40 man roster. But I, again, I like Justin a lot. Uh, he's a fun, fun guy, really exciting player when he's, you know, he's running around out there. Uh, much stronger than he, you would think for a guy. He's a, he's a, sh- a shorter guy, but he is very, very strong. So I, I'm excited to kind of see a year, another year removed from that, you know, the COVID shortened season and having to work through the alternate site and all that stuff. I mean, like, uh, that's another thing for a guy like Braden Shoemake, you know, Janista, guys who maybe didn't knock our socks off in terms of their hit tools and stuff like that as to how much, you know, COVID really messed up their seasons. Uh, there was also, you know, a COVID outbreak on the Mississippi roster last year. I'm sure that didn't help matters at all. There was some upheaval at the, uh, down at Mississippi regarding their manager situation. All these things matter. I'm hopeful that, you know, the one thing that I thought that Shoemaker was going to do was hit. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was going to hit for power. He hit for a bit of power last year. I wasn't sure if he could play short and he can, he can play short. I'm, I am sold on him as a shortstop. The one thing that now after a full season at Mississippi, I'm not sure of is whether or not he, he actually can hit, which is the one thing that I felt pretty good about after he was drafted and he made his pro debut after, you know, in 2019. So very important season for him. Have to see some development from him. You're right in the sense that the Braves will at least want to know what their options are with him. Uh, as as the shortstop of the future, with Dansby's free agency impending, we'll see. Uh, I I am skeptical of Shoemake, uh in a lot of ways, but he just kind of it's he's a weird player that you know when he answers questions, sometimes other ones pop back up. So uh, with that, we'll get to Mississippi, the 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 double A double A Mississippi Braves. We have uh, I think is the best roster amongst all the Braves affiliates. Uh, for the pitching staff, we'll start there. We have Freddie Tarnock. Jared Schuster, Darius Vines, Alan Ronhell, Indigo Diaz, Jake Higginbotham, Trey Riley, Hayden Deal, and Troy Bacon among the, the notable names that we see uh, on the on the roster. Garrett, talk to me about this pitching staff, and we'll, we'll get to it towards the end. It's the names that we that hi, we highlighted as not being on the roster that are going to be important for us to know what's going on with them. 
but because they're, they're they're both pitchers uh, in particular. But talk to me about this pitching staff. Who, who you're kind of keeping an eye on? Yeah, so there's a couple of notable. We'll come back to the starting rotation. Indigo Diaz being at Double A is a little bit notable because he was pretty good at Double A last year. Um, but he kind of struggled towards the end of the year. He struggled in the fall league. He struggled this spring, and they stuck him back in double-A. I think that tends to kind of indicate that with relievers, guys can go up and down very, very quickly, but that probably indicates that they're not necessarily looking at him as one of their first options to come up if they need a right-handed relief arm this year. Um, We love what Indigo did last year, and we want to kind of see him get back to that form. Um, Troy Bacon also had a good year at Mississippi last year and didn't get a promotion. It, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys in the system at the upper levels that they just need to find spots for. And Bacon again might be one of those guys that maybe he is ready for AAA, but you gotta put him, you gotta, somebody has to not make that roster and Bacon might be that guy. Um, Trey Riley, I was very skeptical of. Um, I watched him, especially last year. I watched him this spring. His mechanics look a lot better. There's a lot of arm talent there. I question if the command is ever going to play well enough to get him to the major league level, but he looked yeah, he better. He had some this, moments last year. Yeah, he had some moments last year. He looked better this spring than kind of what I looked like mechanically last year. He looked a little smoother, a little less, like a little bit less rusty. There were times last year where he just looked very mechanical, very stiff. He looked better in the one time we got to see him this spring, which is a good sign. But that rotation is really, really good, even with the two notable guys missing. I mean, Freddie Tarnock last year at Mississippi was absurdly good. He had a 2-6 ERA, was striking out the world, wasn't walking a lot of guys. Um, I think those walks are going to tick up this year for him just because his command is not as good as those numbers were. Uh, but he, he's got a good chance to earn his way up to AAA this season. Um, Alan Ron Hell is a guy on the 40 man roster that played really, really well last year, kind of had a resurgence in his career. I think that he's going to be fine. Vines and Schuster are going to be the two that are the most in- interesting to watch for me because they're both, in both of their cases, their off speed stuff is fine. Schuster and, Schuster and Vines both have great changeups, especially Schuster. They have good breaking balls, but they both have that question mark of whether the fastball is good enough for them to succeed. In especially in a starting role. And I think that double A is the level where you're, once you get to double A, everybody can hit a fastball. And this is going to be the point to where you're going to start to see those two tested and how they respond to this level is going to, you're going to see, this is where we're going to make our judgment as to whether we think these guys are rotation pieces long term or whether they end up getting moved to the bullpen or whatever based on how those fastballs play and if they're able to miss enough bats to survive at this level. Yeah, um, I will, I'll talk a little bit about the, the starters here in a second, but I will say that Jake Higginbotham uh, did get some praise this spring for his work. He looked good. Uh, I, I like that. I, I still like him as a reliever arm. I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with him a couple years ago uh, about his kind of journey to the pros and how multiple injuries he had to overcome. Uh, he still had to deal with injuries as a pro as well, but he's come back uh, time and time and again and is can, relentless in trying to make it to the major leagues. And, you know, considering all the kind words that were kind of sent his way this spring, I was really happy to see that. Um, 
I still like Hayden Deal more than I probably should. Uh, I do like the cutter a lot, but I think he's probably more of a reliever arm at this point. Uh, he did, we did see that transition happen, and I think that he could find a place as a relief arm, but the, the, as a starter, just I'm I'm openly questioning whether that's even in the cards anymore. I never thought I'd see the day when Alan Renhell was a guy who's going to be protected on the 40-man roster, uh, but that's exactly what happened, and I am thrilled for him, a guy that uh, basically I was pretty convinced had part ownership in the Rome Braves, uh, ends up you know, getting moved up to Mississippi, pitching well, uh, just getting a bunch of strikeouts. All the peripherals got much better. I tend to agree with you. I think Freddie Tarnock's going to be very, very good this year. I'll just go ahead and tell you that, tell everyone that now. Uh, I think he's going to cement himself as one of the best pitching prospects the Braves have. Uh, I would not be shocked if he got promoted to Gwinnett relatively quickly if he looks good. In the case of Schuster and Vines, they are very similar players in some respects. But I think that what Schuster is good at is eliciting weak contact uh, with how he changes pace, uh, changes paces with the pitches when he's good. Whereas Vines, I think, is more capable of missing bats with the type of stuff that he has. And Schuster is a guy that I'm pretty low on at the moment just because I think that the fastball is so hittable that guys can spit on the off-speed stuff and just sit fastball. Now, if he can improve, if he can get more ride on that fastball, if he can just pitch more effectively up out of the zone with it. Something. Something has to give with that. Because Vines has a problem with his fastball, too. And I think if he, Vines just got another tick, just a, a little bit more velocity with his fastball, I think he could be really, really good. In Schuster's case, I think that it's not even purely a velocity problem. I think that it, you know the fastball is pretty flat, and I think it's just a, kind of a, a hittable pitch. Now, the changeup is so good that maybe he doesn't have to improve that as much, or at least he just needs to, like, maybe a grade better of the command of it where he's got pitches off the plate with it better. But right now, like if between two relatively similar pitchers, I almost prefer vines in a lot of regards, which is not something I was expecting, obviously, because you're talking about Jared Schuster as a former first round pick, a guy that you really were kind of hoping for the best, obviously pitching, you know, from the left side is no joke. So I'm not going to discount that at the same time. I'm skeptical of him. Now, again, if he's throwing a little bit harder or the fastball commands better, then all of a sudden the changeup plays up. Everything else work, could, could work really well for him. I, I think that there's real potential there, but he's a guy that like I'm, I'm pretty spooked by. Now, the two guys that are not on the Mississippi roster that we were expecting to see there were Victor Vodnik and William Woods. Now, in Woods' case, everything I'd heard was that he was going to be starting a double-A and there wasn't an issue. My guess is that Either there's some weird roster mechanisms where they just haven't given them, given them, given some of these guys assignments yet, which is entirely possible, by the way. Just because we don't see a guy named to a roster doesn't mean necessarily that there's something serious wrong. Uh, there's a lot of reasons that can go into that. Mostly it's minor injuries is one, is, or, well, injuries in general. A lot of times they're minor. They just don't want to sign them to the roster quite yet. Uh, maybe give them, you know, a week or two off. We've seen that happen. Uh, but in, you know, in Wood's case, he has dealt with injuries in the past. I haven't heard anything that he has an injury, but again, it might be something that's just a minor thing and he'll be assigned relatively quickly. In Vodnik's case, there's no telling. Uh, that That is a guy that has dealt with injury issues. I love the arm. Uh, I love what he looks like when he's on the mound. He misses bats. The stuff is really live. Upper 90s fastball. Uh, I, think, I do think he's a reliever. Uh, I think that the attempts to try to make him a starter has not done him any help, does not, has not helped him at all health-wise, but yeah, those are the two names in particular that we don't know for sure what's going on with them, and they're not on the Mississippi roster yet. Uh, do you want to comment on those before we go on to the hitters? 
Yeah, I mean, the problem with both of those guys, both of them struggled with injuries last year. Woods got a really late start to the season with injuries. Both are raw arms. Um, Both missed basically the entire 2020 season. And so you just have to hope that they don't miss significant time because especially in Vodnik's case, I mean, that could be basically – if he misses significant time, that would be really three straight years of not getting full time. And with as raw as both of those pitchers are, they need as many – reps as they can and I I think both are relievers long term I'm with you on Vodnik at this point if he does miss significant time this year I think I'm fully on board with him as a reliever I would love to see him start I mean he has the pitches to do it it's and he's pitched well in his career overall you know he struggled some last year with his command after coming back from injury but I mean he's incredibly talented and I hope that he's not hurt I hope and I hope it's and if it is anything, I hope it's not significant. I mean, he was fantastic in his one spring start this year. He was lights out. So hoping for the best for him. On the hitting side, we do have the Braves' top prospect. Uh, now that Christian Pache is out of the equation, uh, it's a very clear number one choice in outfielder Michael Harris. He is joined by Jesse Franklin, C.J. Alexander, Logan Brown, Trey Harris, which turns into a quite a really a, a very good outfield especially if Trey comes back. Uh, Drew Lugbauer, who had a really nice year in Mississippi uh, last year. Luke Waddell and Jeffrey Ramos are kind of some of the key you know, bats that we're looking at down there in Mississippi. Any thoughts on the on the hitting group that you want to really highlight? Yeah, so Lugbauer, I'm a little surprised he didn't get promoted. Uh, I kind of thought he would. He did strike out a ton last year. So, so so that might be a question that they still want to get answered. It might also, again, just be a case of there was nowhere to put him in Gwinnett where he could continue to get hit, get at bats. Because, um, you know, you have Nagowski at first base. He's going to play there full time. And that may be an issue there. Um, that outfield's really interesting because, I mean, Ramos – we don't talk about him a ton, but this guy, this is a guy that was really good at the lower minor league levels. He has legit raw power. He's only 23 and it kind of seems like they keep sticking him at levels where he's not getting full playing time. And again, he could DH at this level. There's no reason he couldn't DH. And I don't really think he's defensively good enough to play in the outfield anyways. Um, I think we're both pretty much out on CJ Alexander uh, at this point. I think everybody's out on CJ Alexander at this point, but man, that, outfield with Harris and Franklin, uh, Michael Harris and Jesse Franklin. I mean, those are guys that really, really can put a ride into a ball, especially Franklin. Franklin was crushing balls last year. Michael Harris is a guy that if he has a good season, you know, I think he'll kind of do like we saw Drew Waters and Christian Pache do a couple years ago, like we saw Langoliers do last year. He'll play most of the season in double A and then they'll, no matter how good he does, they will let him rip a double A and then give him, you know, maybe a month at triple A at the end of the season. He's a guy that I think it's unlikely, but I think he will be given a shot next year in spring training to win the center field job. He's, I'm expecting a lot of good things out of him this year, especially with how good he looked this spring. Yeah, I'm not necessarily going to sleep on them being even more aggressive than that with Michael Harris. I mean, they've, they've, they've liked him for a while now. If he's hitting for power at Mississippi, then good things are going to come for him in a hurry. Uh, if it's more of an average power output, maybe they kind of, they don't go full ham on it. But if he's like, you know, cranking home runs there, then, you know, we could see some really, 
aggressive moves, I think is fair to say. Uh, I, I don't have any inside information there, but I, I know that the Braves like him a whole lot, and they're going to give him opportunities if he really kind of you know hits his way out of there. I think that he's going to show everything for sure that they want to see out of him at Mississippi, except the power. I'm, I'm just not as sure that that's going to play in games quite yet. But no one should tell anyone that 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 guy doesn't have a ton of raw power. All you need to do is watch his batting practice from the Futures game, and you'll realize that one of the guys that has some of the best raw power in the entire system is Michael Harris. Now, he does have to play in games, and that's important, but he has that bop in his bat. It just kind of comes down to his approach when what he's learning still what pitches to turn on. And if he learns that and he starts turning on the right pitches and is driving them, then double-A Pitchers need to watch out. Uh, Jesse Franklin's a fun player. He has a ton of power, does a power in his bat. Uh, you know, looked like Babe Ruth for about a month at Rome. Uh, was much more human the rest of the season, though. That's worth keeping in mind that, you know, while his overall line looked pretty good, uh, there, it was buoyed by a very torrid, you know, a month to six week period. Uh, CJ Alexander's a guy, he actually plays third well. He's a good defender over there. And, you know, he does have power, but the hit tool just drives me crazy. Logan Brown is a very capable catcher. Uh, I think that if he ends up as a, in the major leagues, it's going to be kind of a, better, a backup catcher type, but he, you know, his pitching staffs love him. Uh, he's a better player than he's given credit for. You kind of mentioned the, the other guys, but I do want to kind of hit on Trey Harris a bit. I think that this is a really important year for him. He's already older, uh, as, for a prospect. Wasn't a great year at the plate for him last year. I think that losing, you know, losing a season to COVID really messed Trey up uh, in a lot of ways. I am curious as to how he looks this season because he's not a he, look. We're talking about a minor league, you know, position player of the year for the Braves. He needs to hit just full stop. I don't. He's not going to wow. He's not going to wow you defensively. He's not even a huge power guy. He's a guy that's going to be buoyed by his hit tool. And we just didn't see that much from that from him last year on that on that front. And we need to see him making that adjustment. You know, and being able to, you know, he needs to be hitting 280, 290 in the double in A. Otherwise, you know, he's just going to be turned into one of those guys that, you know, at best he just kind of turns into a quad A type player, fourth outfielder type at best. Otherwise, and it could be worse than that. So, but for right for this season, especially given his age, he's gonna have to figure things out and you know really kind of show that he belongs to be at, at AAA because it seemed like he was on the trajectory uh, to the, to get there a couple of years ago. Uh, before we get into the Rome and the Augusta rosters to finish this out, we're gonna take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Garrett, it is time to talk about the Rome Braves of High A. Uh, interesting group. Uh, I will say that the not as talented a group as we're used to seeing in a lot of ways. Uh, Rome is just kind of a place that we're used to going to and seeing guys, like, getting our hair blown back. There are notable exceptions. There's one in particular, uh, notable exceptions. Uh, on the, 
on the roster of guys who were like, you know, could be big time prospects. Mostly a lot of guys that are like kind of in the teens into the twenties that could really be, could end up being interesting, but are more speculative is the fair, fair way to say it. We'll start with the pitching group first. Uh, we have Dylan Dodd and then both of the Munozes, uh, Rottery and Roldy. And then we have Andrew Hoffman, Lissandro Santos, Dylan Spain, your cousin apparently, uh, Alec Barger. And Justin Yeager. Uh, so those are kind of the, some of the, pit, the pitching nobles on the notables on the uh, on, for Rome. Talk to us a little bit about the guys that you're keeping an eye on. Yeah, so it's an interesting relief group there with you know Santos, big arm, struggles with his command. Uh, Barger, we liked, we like him as a relief. We liked him as a relief arm at Augusta last year. Didn't really like him much as a, as a starter. I assume he's going to be in relief. I could see him starting, but I assume relief there. Uh, Jaeger's the same way like Santos, uh, struggles with his command, but the arm's big. Dylan Spain still hasn't allowed a run in a, uh, official professional game, so we'll see how that yep, keeps yep. going. Yep, greatest picture uh, of, get, greatest picture of Braves history so far. Yeah, so far, but that starting rotation is a really interesting group of guys that really, uh, we don't talk about Roldy Munoz as much because you know, Rodri came out and was throwing, you know, 99 plus and Roldy's throws very, very hard, but it's a little bit, it's, you know, a couple miles per hour slower and he's very good. He's very talented. We need to see more of him. Really, we need to see more with Rodri too, where he struggled with injuries and neither of them were very consistent last year. I'm a little surprised that both got promoted. Um, I didn't expect either to be at Rome. I expected both to be in Augusta. Uh, so we're going to assume that he had a good, they had good springs. Uh, because I did not really see enough out of them last year at Augusta to promote them. Hoffman, we've talked about a lot. We love the talent there. We want to see whether he's going to have a third pitch that plays enough for him to start long term. We're going to see where the command plays, but he's, there's a ton of arm talent there. He's a big body guy. He was really good looking, but Dylan Dodd's the guy that I like on that team a lot. I've talked about that a lot in our group chats. You know, the fastball is better than – if you look at the raw velocity, it's fine. You know, Hugh said he was up to 97 uh, this spring. You said that a few days ago in the group chat. But he's yep. more of a low 90s guy. He can run it up there, but there's a lot of spin on that fastball. Uh, the plane of it plays very, very well with his changeup. He has a good changeup. I question if the slider is going to be good enough for him to start. I want to see kind of how they develop that if they kind of switch the switch it to a more vertical slider like they did with um Spencer Strider's slider. I want to see if he kind of if they do anything with that pitches or if they let him ride with the slider the way it is. I don't love the slider, but the fastball changeup combination is really really good and I'm interested to see. I don't think that he will have problems with A ball hitters because if you have a changeup, typically you can roll through A ball pretty easily. So this is an interesting group for me in the sense that there's a lot of guys that there's, there's only a lot of speculative type guys, but there's also guys that, um, are like those college arm types that are much better than they initially let on. We have Andrew Hoffman, who's a guy who I really like in his pro debut, not a, like a huge sample size from in an innings perspective or anything like that, but just a guy that seems to know how to pitch. The stuff is better than you'd give credit for. Then you have a guy in Dylan Dodd who I know the Braves like a lot as a senior sign in the third round for not much money. You get a, a lefty arm that 
can throw a decent number of pitches. The fastball, I've been hearing things that he's been, you know, kind of sitting more mid-90s this spring. Like, when you have that kind of guy as a senior sign, that's it's hard, that's hard to be upset about. And then you have Rottery, where I want to love Rottery a lot, but he already had the injury issues last year. He had that one, that those first couple starts, it was like really one and a half starts. It was one, one start and then kind of half of another one where he was just piping absolute gas and, you know, was blowing guys away. And we thought that the Braves had really stumbled on something. Unfortunately, wasn't able to, had a lot of trouble getting back healthy. Didn't look particularly great at times. Just seemed like the command really got away from him. So I'm really, really interested to see what the Braves saw this spring and this offseason that they felt like warranted making him move up a level because he just didn't pitch all that much in Augusta at the end of the day. And just, he's not enough to make me think that he was like instantly ready. So they must have think that he had worked something out and gotten healthy. Um, you know, and, and, and Roldy's kind of the same way. I'm, I'm interested to see kind of what went into that decision. I'm sure some of it was simply just they don't they don't have a ton of arms at the lower levels anymore. I mean, like, I think that a lot of these guys, like, you know, like Ryan Cusick and Joey Estes would have been kind of easy slot-ins for Rome, but now that they, those guys are no longer in the organization because they got traded, then they have to kind of make some decisions that are looking, maybe that may look a little wonky uh, to start the season just to kind of make the rosters work. But these are still very interesting arms, even if the maybe the overall, like, quote-unquote, prospect pedigree isn't quite there for them uh, this go-around. Uh, on the hitting side, uh, we have... Tyler Tolvey, uh, the best prospect on the Rome roster by a fairly significant margin is Vaughn Grissom. Uh, he's a guy who's firmly in our top 10 prospects and could very well start getting some national love here pretty quickly. Uh, Justin Henry Malloy, Cade Buttle, Bryson Horn, uh, who I'm certain uh, Wayne will be trumpeting every single extra base hit that guy ever hits until he retires. Willie Carter's a fun guy, a big power, a power bat, uh, who is an older prospect, but you know, can, is he will do significant work on the offensive side of the ball for Rome. I don't think he's necessarily a real prospect per se, just because you know he's an older guy, and I'm not sure if he'll you know get as much uh, of a chance to advance up the levels. But he, he he's going to hit some absolute bombs. He's going to do some things that Rome fans are going to thoroughly enjoy. And then you also have Christian Robinson. So talk to me a little bit about the hitting side with Rome. We could do an entire episode just talking about Von Grissom. I mean, he's a fantastic hitter. Yep. Just, I mean, as a hitter, you know, it's command of the zone, his contact ability, absurdly good for his age. Um, We just want to see more power this year. We want to see how the defense develops. He's going to be a guy that you're going to see at every single infield position, and we're going to see how he plays. And, I mean, there's a lot to love there. We love Von Grissom. We're really excited. We think – he hit really well at Rome last year in a very small sample, and there's a good chance that he could come out. And I mean, there's a good chance that he is the guy that, you know, is at the end of the year we're looking at as, you know, minor league player of the year type player, along with you know, a guy like Harris. I mean, he's a good spring, too. Yeah, he he's way advanced for his age. Um, and then, you know, that quartet of college guys there, um, Malloy, Carter, Robinson, Tolby are – you know, interesting. Robinson and Malloy more so. Um, Robinson's extremely. Both of them are athletic. They have power. Um, they play good defense. The question is going to be whether either of them hit. Uh, I do not think that Malloy's going to struggle very much at high A. I don't think that that's a level that 
I don't think that's the point at which typically that's not the point at which college bats start to run into contact issues when they have contact issues. Typically they hit fairly well at this level. I could see Malloy having a great season, getting pushed up to double A. I could see him struggling at double A as well. Uh, he's the in- most outside of Grissom. He's the most interesting bat there. Uh, there's definitely potential if he can hit. There's definitely potential from Robinson if he can hit. Uh, Tolvi is more of a backup catcher type, but he has a good, he has a decent bat. Um, and I, I like Tolvi a fairly good bit in terms of, you know, he's the guy at the lower levels as a catcher that, You'll see he's really the best catching prospect at the lower levels, even though there's not really anybody at the lower levels. Oh, a, I was about to say, I'm not, we're, we're not, that's not a huge bar. That, that, to, that's not a high bar clear. to clear, but he's, I, I mean, he might, you know, he and Logan Brown are kind of the two best catching prospects right now, which is kind of funny, but considering we just had, we went from Langoliers and Contreras to that, but I mean, Tolby's a fairly interesting guy. Carter's a great athlete, can hit the ball a ton. You know, I think he's going to hit enough to really make it, but he is definitely interesting to watch. And if he does have a good season, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of guys in that outfield in uh, Mississippi that could block him, but you could see him get promoted fairly quickly if he hits well. Um, he hit well at Augusta last year and didn't get promoted very quickly. So, you know, again, I think that that's a situation where he's yeah. kind of blocked and, you know, there's not really anywhere for him to go because he's not, I mean, those guys at the AAA level are, I mean, at the AA level are just better prospects. They're just the guys that you want getting those at-bats. But I can see him having a very good season at Rome. Yeah, absolutely. I can see him being good there. I just I just remain skeptical that he's, I, again, based on how they things went at Augusta last year, I'm skeptical that he's going to get that opportunity. And you're right that, you know, once you kind of get into, you know, trying to get him to AA, you know, where are you going to put him? Now, it's entirely possible that a guy like, you know, Michael Harris or, you know, maybe even a guy like Trey Harris, depending on what the exact roster situation is, they they could move up and you'd have an opportunity for a guy like Carter if he's playing well. But, you know, I'm, again, a bit skeptical. I, I know that the Braves do like Cade Bunnell, so we'll see if, you know, that's something that bears out over a significant period of time. Um, but now we're going to get into the Augusta Green Jackets, where I feel reasonably confident just looking at this group. Am I confident? Okay, not looking at it, I'm a little less confident, but I still think this group is going to be better than the, the Green Jackets were last year, where it was a um, it was a tough group to watch at times, uh, especially after those that first wave of promotions where like their three best players got moved up. Uh, it was a tough group to watch at times, but this is a this is a, t- a team that we're going to be watching a whole bunch uh, for different reasons. Whereas guys that you know we that were hurt last year, we want to see kind of what they look like. Guys we haven't seen before. Uh, there's a good chunk of those, uh, and, you know, on both sides of the ball. And then some names that I honestly thought we were going to see uh, for different reasons. So I'm again, uh, it's gonna be a really fascinating group to kind of see who gets added over the course of you know the first month and a half to two months of the season coming out of extended spring. See if they're gonna try to get some of these guys some run uh, in full season ball. But to start the season, uh, some of the notable names: Adam Shoemaker, um, tall the Canadian lefty that the Braves picked uh, in, on day three, went over slot to get him. Uh, I suspect the command is going to be a little bit suspect, but at the same time, this is a guy who has big time stuff, a ton of projection. The prospect that I am probably the most interested to watch is AJ Smith Shaver. Uh, again, day two pick was an overslot pick, big arm, really was impressive 
you know, in his full season debut down there in the, the Florida Coast League, uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to really force myself to make sure I don't say Gold Coast League because I'm just used to saying GCL over and over again. But again, another big high school arm. I think he could end up being pretty dominant for Augusta and we might see him in Rome sooner than you'd think. Uh, Tyler Owens was a guy that we like as a high school arm when he was drafted, but dealt with injuries last year, did not look good last year either. So I'm hopeful that maybe once he's, you know, now that he's healthy, had some time to work on some things, getting the command down, being able just to, you know, put guys away with two strikes that he, that he kind of gets back into form. Uh, other guy, other arms that are kind of keeping an eye on, uh, JJ Necro, uh, a name that, a last name that is going to be familiar to the Braves fans. Uh, James Acuna, uh, is a name that, you know, is an interesting relief piece. And then Chris Anglin's another guy. Talk, talk to me a little bit about this pitching staff. Yeah. So. Acuna and Anglin are guys that I just want to see more of uh, in terms of relief arms. Anglin, we got a little, you know, I watched a little bit of video of him after the draft, and there was some intriguing stuff. I kind of want to see what he has. Um, but that top, those three starting pitchers, Smith, Chavra, I'm not particularly surprised. You know, I was kind of 50-50. Was he going to go to extended? You know, was the command going to play well enough to get him into low A? Um, and, you know, that low A, the low A right now, and I think going forward with contraction of the minor leagues, it's not going to be as good as low A was three years ago where Rome was, you know, a yep. town, huge town. Yep. It's not going to be as good as it was back then. And so Smith Shaver, I mean, that fastball is ridiculous. The command's going to be a work in progress, but he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Shoemaker, I'm surprised. Uh, I thought he was a little bit raw and was going to get more time at extended spring. I am glad that he has progressed enough to get to this level. Uh, and he's a guy that I like a lot. Um, I love, uh, I talked a lot on here. I talked a lot in the group chat. Shoemaker has a ton of talent. He's that big guy that we, you love to dream about the projection, the shape of the curveball. There's a lot to love about Shoemaker. He's going to take a long time to get there. But if he does get there, there's a high ceiling that this guy could be, uh, an impact arm. Owens, I mean, two years ago, Owens was higher than Estes on our list. You know, he was up there. Yep, he we was. were ranking him in there with Von Grissom, you know, in terms of those rankings. We loved Owens. He's undersized. And so already having health issues and being undersized, that's a concern. You know, third pitch is a concern. But this is a guy that got, I mean, this is a guy that got the same um, signing bonus as Michael Harris out of high school. He got 550000 which that shows you when they go that big on a three, day three guy, you watch that guy. And there's a lot of arm talent there. It's just he got hurt and we didn't see him. And, I mean, at that point, you have no choice but to drop a guy. But we all liked Owens a lot, and we all want to see Owens come out and succeed. And I think he can. It's just about getting getting healthy, staying healthy, staying on the field, and seeing the player that we heard reports out of at the GCL that he was – well, it was the GCL at that time, that he was very good. Uh, and we just want to see him on the field more. Yeah, uh, definitely, like, I know that we have, like, our rankings, and some people just, like, you know, if, they're, if someone's name is not a top 30 ranking, that they don't know why we would be talking about them at all. But, like, Tyler Owens is a kind of classic case where he might not be in our top 30, but there's a lot of names that we circle, like, that we keep an eye on because it could very quickly change for them. Uh, and in the case of Owens, it's just, you know, having that stuff, playing games, staying healthy, you know, I, I mean, Garrett's right. It's, 
you don't give a guy that high bonus unless you see something in the guy. So I'm I'm curious to kind of what he looks like. You know, Shoemaker and Smith Shaver, though, those are the, kind of the two names at Augusta that I think could be really exciting. They're both prep arms, so you know all the usual disclaimers apply here that they, it could be a really rough year for them too. Uh, you know, guys that young, even at low A, where it's not the same. Uh, level of competition that Loe used to be. You don't have that kind of that rookie ball gauntlet that they're going for necessarily. Not the same kind anyway. Uh, the two different levels of, you know, you know, advanced rookie ball and all that other stuff. You don't really have that anymore. But these are two guys at the same time that I think could, like, there's a chance that they're, they have the raw stuff to be absolutely dominant in Loe. And then, uh, things could get pretty exciting pretty quickly. Now on the hitting side, which is where we normally don't have a lot of new faces to actually watch. We do. Uh, Caleb Durbin uh, was a, a later round pick for the Braves. Only struck out twice, I believe, his senior year or, or, or his last year in college. Uh, Makai Backstrom is the guy that I think it's fair to say that we're the most excited to actually see in full season ball finally. Um, we've been famously higher on him than basically everyone else. Uh, to our detriment in some respects, I think. But at the same time, this guy has a ton of raw power, an absolute ton. Love the bat speed. If he's figured, if he's figured things out from a hit tool perspective, again, the, the Florida Coast League wasn't particularly kind to him. It's impossible to measure how much of that was, you know, the COVID, you know, coming off a of COVID season, how much that messed him up, if at all, uh, if that had any impact. But this is a guy that in terms of just raw physical talent, you know, he's a first base DH guy, but he's a guy that can hit absolute tanks. And if, you know, he's, you know, gotten better with pitch recognition and can just put, if he can just put the barrel on the ball, the ball's going to go really far. So he's a guy that we're excited about. Uh, Cal, Cal Conley is a, you know, again, day two pick from last year's draft. I, I, he's one of those guys that I think could move relatively quickly. He's, you know, as a college guy, just as an opportunity to present himself in Rome or something like that, I think that he'll hit reasonably well down there in Augusta, and he'll be fine, and he'll move relatively quickly. Stephen Paolini rightfully repeats at, uh, Augusta. Really tough year for him. I'd still like the you – know, there's a lot of raw talent and a ton of athleticism with Paolini, but ultimately he has to play in games, and the hit tool was really, really rough last year. Adam Zabrowski, uh, Braulio Vasquez, I'm sure he'll steal another 50 bases and – you know, still probably not, still probably not won't impress us too much as a prospect, even though it's really, really fun to watch him take advantage of the fact that guys down in low way don't know how to field or throw out base runners. Uh, Brandall Mesquita, uh, Caden Morton's another name that we've always been kind of keeping an eye on. He's, he's appeared on honorable mentions a couple times. Uh, really, really interesting outfield prospect. Should be able to hit, should hit for power. I'm not sure how quickly that'll happen. He's kind of a project, but. A, a real prospect, a guy that if he has a good year down in Augusta, you could see him pop up under our, our rankings pretty quickly. So talk to us a little bit about these Augusta hitters and, you know, what your thoughts are going into the season. Right. Makai Backstrom is a guy that we, again, need to watch more. Uh, we don't really have – we get bits and pieces here and there, usually directly from him. He'll he'll message um, Garav a video of him hitting a bomb, but we typically – we haven't had a chance to see him day in and day out and see where those flaws are, why he's striking out so much, why he's struggling to swing. So he's a guy that I want to see that more often. And I mean, the talent is really, really high there, but the outfield is what interests me most because all three of those guys are high variability players that could really be something. Uh, Paulini, we saw in spring training a little bit this year, his bat speed looked a little bit better which is good because that was one of the big struggles he had last year. Uh, 
Cade Morton. Yeah, sw- I mean, yeah, swing was a little long last year. Uh, Cade Morton is an all-world athlete. I mean, that's a guy that if he hits, could really turn into a a, a top tier, you know, a top ten type prospect. I don't. It's very, very unlikely that that happens. He's just raw, and those guys most of the time don't work out. But when they do, it's a steal. Brandon Mosquito's a name that I'm interested in. We don't talk about him a lot. But we've heard good things. There's raw power there. He's shown some speed in the um, Florida Complex League last year. Uh, his numbers in the Florida Complex League last year were really good. He had an A55 OPS. Yep. Like a lot of these young guys, the hit tool is a question. He struck out a lot last year. He struck out a lot his whole career. Is he going to hit? That remains to be seen. But there's talent that, you know, that's – a guy that could start at the major league level if he figures out how to hit. And all three of those guys are pretty much the same way. There's speed there. There's raw power there. And it's just a matter of how much they're going to hit if they hit it all. Uh, that's a really interesting outfield. And uh, hopefully at least one of them steps up this year and kind of takes that next step. Uh, if I had to pick one between the three that I would expect to have a decent season, it would be Mesquita. I think right now, as an overall prospect, I slightly prefer Morton. Uh, I think he's just a higher level athlete in terms of having a higher ceiling, but Mosquito's a really interesting guy that could be a good bat in that uh, lineup. Yeah, I think that the, the, the Mosquito is probably the safest bet to have a good season, although I think I like Morton better. Um, you know, Paulini's a guy that I'll, I'll keep dreaming on because, again, you're talking about a guy, you know, getting him out of a, just a small Connecticut high school, but making him making him a relatively early pick. You know, giving him a, a decent bonus. He he can run. He he is strong. He is a center. One thing for certain is that he can play center field. I'm very curious as to kind of how all that shakes out uh, for the hitting side. Now. One outfielder that we, that wasn't named and that we were kind of hoping was going to be named uh, is among three guys that weren't named to the Augusta roster, but certainly got our, got our attention that they weren't named to any roster. Uh, Tyler Collins, uh, was an overslot pick for the Braves in last year's draft, had a really nice, uh, Florida Complex League debut. Again, he's a, he's a prep bat, so maybe they're just kind of waiting a little bit, give him some time, you know, let these other outfielders kind of sort themselves out as kind of what they're going to be. Maybe they get moved up. Uh, give him some extra time, some extra coaching down there, extended spring. He is incredibly fast. And again, had a good, had a good debut down there in the Florida Coast League, put up some good numbers. Jared Johnson spent Augusta, uh, the entire season last year at Augusta, did not perform particularly well. I, for a guy who throws as hard as he does, that's the most hittable fastball. Just especially, I mean, like, it just seems like righties and lefties just get a really good look at it. It's not a particularly deceptive pitch and he got beat up a bit. I don't know, maybe if he's dealing with an injury or maybe that they're trying to work on something, retooling things for him. But that's an arm that could be relatively live if they could kind of, you know, make his pitches a little bit more deceptive because it just seemed like everyone was teeing off on him. Uh, and then Rainery Rodriguez. So uh, just to get any thoughts on the kind of the guys that didn't quite make the roster, I really wish we could see Tyler Collins early in the season. Yeah. I, you know, Collins was a guy that with his hit tool, what we expect him to be, what we expected his hit tool to be, how he did in the complex lead with his speed. He was a guy that I kind of expected would not only play it, Augusta, but play well enough to play himself into Rome more towards the end of the season. And, you know, 
who knows what's going on there. Hopefully it's not an injury. Hopefully it's just they wanted to hold him back and give him more time and extended. Yeah, um, there's no way to know, unfortunately. It's just you know, with these guys it. at the lower level, you know, with the guys at the upper level, when they're not there, it's a pretty safe bet that there was probably an injury issue. But these guys at the lower level, we really don't know the situation. Johnson is extremely raw. He's going to take time. Um, Rainer Rodriguez is not a guy that we're particularly high on. But he had a good season last year, and it is an interesting arm. And I did expect him to be at Augusta this year. He spent time at Augusta last year. Uh, so it's a little bit of a surprise. These could be injuries. These could just be they had a bad spring and they want to give them more time. We really don't know with these guys. Yeah, it could just be weird roster stuff too. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, hopefully Collins especially I want to see this year. Um, and I I expect if they're healthy, we'll see all three this year. Uh you know, Johnson was a guy that we were a little surprised. You know, after we watched him play, we weren't. But we were a little surprised he wasn't on the opening day roster last year. And so it's interesting to kind of see with these guys. Collins, though, is definitely the one that – Collins was, other than Smith Schauber, the guy on the roster I was most excited about. And he ended up not making the roster. So that's a little unfortunate for us. But we do expect to see him this year if he's healthy. Yeah, these things sort themselves out over time. Even though we're greedy and we want to see the the new shiny pieces coming out of the draft and how they do in full season ball, you know, they have to do what's right by the players and, you know, what's right for their development. So I'm certain that, you know, again, whatever he's dealing with, even if it's as simple as just they don't think he's quite ready yet, um, that, you know, with the, all these things will sort themselves out. Well, guys, that's all the time we have. Thank you all so much for all the support on the pot, for all the podcasts on the feed, uh, over the course of the last couple months. You've really been helping us both keep the lights on and also kind of keeping us focused on the, the task at hand. And we finally get to talk about actual real baseball games that count starting tomorrow on the minor league side and later on the week on both sides in the major and minor leagues. Thanks again so much. If you never want to miss a single episode, make sure you search battery power on whatever preferred podcast platform you use. Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever you use, we are on it. If we are not on it, please let us know, and we will be on it. Not only will you get this podcast, which is our minor league minor league show, you also get the flagship Battery Power show hosted by the great Brad Rowland, sometimes with myself, sometimes with Scott Coleman, sometimes with special guests. And then you also get the Daily Hammer, which is kind of our shorter form daily updates on the Braves show, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes at the max, used most of the time. And that's hosted by the great Sean Coleman, who's been doing great with that as well. And now that the regular season is going to start rolling along, it's really going to start cranking up here on the podcast feed. So make sure you subscribe, tell a friend so that way you don't miss a single episode. So we appreciate each and every one of our listeners over the years. You've made this a very rewarding endeavor for all of us. There's not that many places that people can say that they can talk about the minor leagues for one specific team for an hour and then have literally thousands of people downloading it. And we're, we don't take that for granted. We appreciate each and every one of you. But until next time, we'll see you on the road. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.